welcome to the Extra Podcast. That was really slow-mo, Greg. <laughs> this is episode number 282. My name's Greg. I will host for this episode, the 282nd episode in Extra Podcast history. Last week, we delayed getting it online, and we found out our nine listeners just about lost it. On us, and why, he was getting why like did we, I don't know two texts. Why did at we, least Greg? Why did we? Here's delay the problem. It. In recent weeks, we've had Bishmu producing for mm-hmm. us, and he's very diligent in getting it up up there right off the bat. Last week, I was recording it on my laptop, and I delayed in giving it to our tech team, and so it is my fault. So you can send all of your angry emails to a steiger at northu.org, and he will respond to you promptly. Joining me around the table, you sir are a jerk, Andy Steiger. Welcome. Paul Siemens. Hey. Jeff Bucknam. Hi, Greg. Paul, you have a fresh new do. I do, man. Got a haircut. It's great. It's good, man. It's fun. Haircut, place of choice. Where'd you go? Uh, well, growing up, I always went to Bernard's. Many yeah. people in Abbotsford don't know Bernard's. Nicolette's. But Bernard, yeah, Bernard so Bernard definitely. is now at Nicolette's. But Bernard actually has another daughter named Daniela. And she lives on my street. She's the black. So, is she the black sheep of the uh, <laughs> of the haircutting family? <laughs> no, she's got a she's got her own barber shop set up in her garage. She calls herself a stylist. Instead. Yeah, yeah. It's just all it's all uh, under the table though. There's no. I'm just kidding. Has has that uh, family monopolized the hair industry no. in Abbotsford? I think so. Sheer performance. That's my choice. Sheer performance. It is. It's where I, I used to, uh, right. that's where I'm getting my hair cut these days. Uh, yep, good stuff. Your hair's growing out a little bit here. It is. I need to probably get another haircut. Yeah. But um, it's very wavy right sheer now. Sheer performance. Yeah, well. I see you looking at me, Greg. Andy, where you got your haircut? You know, I uh, this manscaping takes place at the Steiger house. Have you ever had your wife cut your hair, Andy, before you had lost your hair? Oh, you, you got married bald, though. Well, I got married with very little hair remaining. Have you ever... Have Did you, you have the ring around? So, like Andy, why don't you just ears? keep quiet when it comes to the hair discussion here? Um, <laughs> the rest of us. Greg, have you had your wife cut your hair? Uh, yes. And Paul? Yes. And I have as well. You haven't lived until you've had the wife There's a cut, thrill that takes hair. place. Because the whole time they're cutting it, they're like, fight. I don't think I should be doing this. And you're like, you know what, honestly, I don't really care. Because all you're thinking about, well, for me anyway, is like the twenty bucks I'm saving. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know what? Honestly, just if the worst comes to worst, it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna do really badly, and we'll just we'll just clipper this baby with one of those vacuum clipper things. You're seen those? The suck cut. Yeah, you can. The floby. The floby. That's right. The floby. Yeah, they, it vacuums yeah, your hair and it cuts, cuts it at it. the same time. <laughs> I always wanted a floby, I, I, <laughs> but I never had enough hair for a floby. The suck cut was from Wayne's World. No, I didn't but they think it was actually a no. Real they thing. actually have them. <laughs> I saw I saw an, an uh, advertisement or for a while ago for one that's like an actually was during a football game or something, and th- they were advertising some, something from Braun or whatever it was, and they like uh, it sucks suctions your hair, and it and it how do you, it at the same time. How do you spell Floby? Like F L O W B Y? No, I think I it's know. like a B, B E. Oh yeah, Floby. I don't know. But Case yeah, that used to be the thing. You used to have that. The Floby was uh, commercials were on all the time in the States. So when uh, when my son needed to get his hair cut, his hair grows like a lion's mane. He, it's, it's stupid <laughs> how fast it grows. So the first time he got his hair cut, we took him to this place that people were like, oh, you have to take him to this place downtown. It's amazing. This old person cutting hair there. It's great. 
we we take him there. We we we're like, okay, he's ready for his first haircut ever. The lady takes the water bottle and she sprays him right in the face with Good the stuff. water bottle. Oh, he starts man. crying and she said, I don't know if I can do this now. And I said, maybe don't start by spraying them in the face with a water bottle. <laughs> it, it works with every other kid. Yeah, I don't know what's why. Wrong, what's wrong with your kid? I don't know why he oh, found man. that traumatizing. <laughs> I mean, it's only his first time. So she cut half of his head and then she gave up because it was too hard oh, and no. he was crying too hard. So then we had to take him to another hair place later that day. Oh, my gosh. Tommy Guns. And oh, they yeah? fixed it for us for free. Tommy because they were Guns. Kind. We told him the story and I said, is there anything you could do to help? And they said, yeah, I'll be $75. Yeah. Good wow. stuff. What's the most you've ever paid for a haircut? Me? Yeah. Probably Tommy Guns. They charge a lot of money. Hey, yeah, you know, because it like sounds $30. like a gangster place. Well, you you do have a bit of a quaff, though. You like, you, like you have, you, you style your hair. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, the last time I had my hair cut. L'Oreal for men is, is the only product that'll touch these mm. lo- locks. These brown locks. <laughs> I, I miss the days of shampoo. I, uh, Andy, I told you to keep quiet during this I, conversation. I, had, <laughs> I got my whole head shaved in India on the streets. Was it free? And No, it was not free, but that was the cheapest haircut I've ever had. It was like $3. It was awesome. Have you guys ever had another man shave you with a razor blade? No, and I don't, I don't want to. Hey, uh, I'm changing subjects now because Please. I want Andy to be more involved in the conversation. Thanks, Jeff. <clears throat> we, Paul, you have a book that you want to recommend for... With no is that the Floby? Yeah. It's the Floby. Oh, it's like 1986. Yeah. F L O B W B E E. And then there's there's a, a meme online called the Floby One Kenobi. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay, sorry, Jeff, you go. No, I was going to say that uh, <clears throat> that uh, Paul has has asked if we could recommend uh, Christmas gift books because there have I mean there are people who ask from time to time you know what do you get the person who has everything and the answer to that question is a book they won't read so Paul what book <laughs> what what book would you recommend this this Christmas which of course for you this book should be read and is a book that you would like to recommend yeah for real yeah, for real, no, for real. real. No, I'm not joking. This I'm is for actually, real. Yep. No, it is for real. This is a book. There's a devotional book called New Morning Mercies. The author is Paul David Tripp. And it is, uh, he on the front, the subtitle is A Daily Gospel Devotional. So basically, on every day of the year, so it goes from January 1st to December 31st, for every day there is a separate uh, devotional that preaches the gospel to you in a different way, in a different part of your life. And... Uh, I've just got it a few months ago, and I've been thoroughly enjoying it. I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people out there have a hard time, actually, with devotions. Like, they get up in the morning, and they, they have a hard time prioritizing it. And that's something that I'd struggled with, or I have struggled with in the past. But uh, with, this, with this book, um, it, has, it just sh- shows me the gospel in a new way every day. And it's just very, a very refreshing way to wake up and read it in the morning. And, uh, yeah, so I highly recommend it. I don't know what it costs. Probably like 15, 20 bucks on Amazon. Something Can you say like that. the name again? It's called New Morning Mercies. Yeah. Good. By Paul David Tripp. It's great. Greg, you got one? A book gift? Yes. Christmas gift, book gift. Oh gosh. Apparently not. Andy, not you, a, not a, uh, honestly, not if you say one. your book right now, mm-hmm. I am going to punch you in the mouth. Oh, come on. First of all, my book, thinking. Uh, secondly, while I was at ETS, 
this year, Evangelical Theological Society. Uh, there was a new book that was uh, being talked about, and the author was there, Mike Lacona, and it was absolutely fantastic. I haven't read it, but if you're looking for a new apologetic book, uh, here's one for you. It's called Why Are There Differences in the Gospels? What We Can Learn from Ancient Bibliography, and uh, it's fantastic. Good. Okay, wait, now I'm ready for mine. I didn't know I was going okay, next. Okay, where you go. Okay. So the... It's a study Bible resource for those of you who appreciate those kinds of things. The NIV has a new cultural uh, yeah. backgrounds study oh, Bible. I've been told really good things about this. And it, it's it's great. It was on sale on Kindle for like a dollar last month. And so I got... Thanks for sharing that deal with us then, Greg. Okay, I got it on the Northview account, so you can get it from there. Calm no, down. but now you what? share it with people and now it's going to cost you more than a dollar. That'll be like, I don't know, 20 something dollars. Okay. But it's a great little uh, study Bible, so if you appreciate those things, it's mm, awesome. good. The book I'm going to recommend is two of them. It's like Jesus when he said that... Are you going to recommend he, your book, he, Jeff? He rec- yeah, I don't, I don't have a book. I'm not a preening self. No, <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, here we go. It's uh, called The Life We Never Expected, Hopeful Reflections on the Challenges of Parenting Children with Special Needs. This is with, by Andrew Wilson and his wife, Rachel, who uh, he's a pastor in England, and he's delightful. I read him online quite frequently, and really sharp guy. And if you know know of anyone, and at this point, I think we're probably safe to say that either uh, you are a parent of special needs children, or you know a parent of special needs children. So I imagine this book would be a great gift. So I read, my great. wife and I read this book over summer. Yeah. When we were going to a, a conference for Benji's diagnosis, it is probably the single most helpful book that I've read since our son's diagnosis. It is fantastic. Good. Um, the other one that I would recommend is older. Uh, Chuck Colson's daughter, I think Emily wrote it, and um, it's called uh, Dancing with Max, mm. which is also a book about special needs uh, children, but. It's very much a story form about how she's trying to live in this world. And I think it would give you, especially if you're somebody who doesn't have special needs kids, she wrote it for people who don't have special needs kids so that they would understand what it's like for a parent to, to, to live in that world. Hmm. I have a particular interest. My nephew is a special needs boy, little Grant. He's not little anymore. He's 19 years old, but uh, hmm. has severe autism. So uh, it's, hmm. yeah. Very, very good stuff. And you know somebody in your life who has uh, that kind of um, need or challenge, and I think that it would be really a blessing to them. Mm-hmm. Okay, Amen. there's a number Great. of books for you to recommend. Worst Christmas gift you've ever received? Oh, that's a hard one. That's easy. Vacuum cleaner when I was 18 years old. So can I ask you a question? When, 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 <laughs> that's when, a true story. When you're a, when you're an 18-year-old vacuum cleaner. That is a true story, <laughs> Listen, man. Andy, you need to start helping out around here. <laughs> that's when you know your so, parents want you to leave. But seriously, well, I have a question like this. <clears throat> I've been told repeatedly that I'm not supposed to buy my wife any kind of like uh, uh, tools to do the certain work that she enjoys doing. Mm. And by enjoys, I mean sometimes doesn't enjoy doing. Like a vacuum cleaner or something like that's the worst Christmas gift I've been told <clears throat> before. But she's been told that repeatedly that, you know, you should probably consider buying Jeff an, uh, like an electric drill. Now, I'm going to tell you that I like electric drilling as much as she likes vacuuming. Mm. So why is it okay 
for me to have an electric drill for Christmas. Because it's wh- man stuff. Which, but w- which, if you gave it to me, I would be like, <clears throat> I wonder if that's worth as much as a TV. Mm. Because I'm going to yeah. choose to get the TV. Yep. And uh, <laughs> not do the electric drilling. Yeah. It's because so. it's man stuff, and you should like that stuff. Mm. I think that's I think that's how the narrative goes. Okay. So I don't like that stuff. Do you I even don't. know how to drill, Jeff? You know, Andy, I imagine if you gave me an electric drill and you pointed me toward the wall, I would be able to make a hole in that wall with that drill, I think. But other than that, no. No, Andy. You, you would say to me, Jeff, you probably want to hang this thing up on a stud. And I'd be thinking, mm, I wonder what that means. Mm. And then I wouldn't know how to find that stud, except I've been told that they have these little electric things. Uh, before I know the old knock test, you can knock along mm. the wall and stuff. Problem with the stud finder is it constantly beeps when it's around me. Oh man, that was wow. just a softball. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping somebody wouldn't say that, but oh dear. Andy. But if there was one of us <laughs> no, around seriously. this table who was going to pass that up, yeah, it wasn't going to be Andy. It was not going to be Andy, as he takes a nice drink from his unicorn mug. What a stud! You are an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, we've been helpful this morning, so yep. no matter whatever else happens on this podcast, you're welcome. That's right. Hey, uh, this past weekend, we uh, started a different sermon series. We're doing uh, some different pastors over the Advent season. This past weekend was a Sermon on Forgiveness, Matthew 18. Great sermon, Jeff. Thanks, so, brother. Low-hanging fruit is what that is. Yeah, it was nice to... When I say that, I mean it's not hard to prepare a sermon on uh, Matthew 18, because it's pretty straightforward. But there was a book you uh, talked about. It was... uh... Oh, yeah. That's a good one, too. Devil in Pew Number 7. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Becky Alonzo. And actually, uh, you you often quote... uh, Was it Corey Ten Boom? I do. Oh. We're going to have to we put might pause, have to pause on the podcast, podcast because oh, right now man. the fire alarm is going off at the Northview there building. There is a fire at Northview. It's the All right. building that can't we'll burn. We'll see you soon. We we'll hope it's burning. <laughs> Hopefully the tr- All right, we're back. Uh, sorry for the... It burns! <laughs> Set our <laughs> church <laughs> on fire. There you go. Right? We sang that, that song. How many, how many fire references can we make now? I don't know. There's a Petra song like that. So we no, don't no, no. we don't actually no, think no. that there was a fire in the church. We thought we think something set it off, and it seems a building safe for us to come back in. We all just spent some time in uh, the workshop out in the back, and Andy took a live video on the Northview Young Adults Facebook page. You can watch. Thanks, Greg. Um, but we're back. We were asking about forgiveness. We were. I think no, so. No, I was uh, asking Jeff about Corey Ten Boom. He mentioned her a couple times from. Uh, the front, and just wondering what book is it? One book? I've never read her book. Does she have a couple books? Which what would you recommend? The Hiding Place is the classic for her. Um, she's written stuff after the war, though, and I, th- I cannot remember exactly when what book the that um, the thing I read was in. But it's uh, I'm, you, I'm sure I you can find it online. I, I mean, think I, you, that's at the. Like in one of the newer editions yeah. of Hiding Place, I yeah. think that's near the end. Okay. I so they think. must have added an epilogue or something like yeah. that in it for after the fact and all that kind of stuff. But I, it was in a subsequent book after The Hiding Place. Mm. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, great story, The Hiding Place. Highly recommend reading. Oh, it's yeah. a Christian classic. There's no question about that. Mm. So yeah. if you have, there's another book that you could buy your friend. Yeah. 
for Christmas. So yeah. see, another helpful suggestion. So one of the conversations that came up uh, among some people after the sermon regarding forgiveness is the whole idea of what does it mean to forgive someone from your heart? So not holding anything against them. And yet the fact that consequences for actions are still very much in play a lot of the times. Yeah. Cause you know, if somebody does something illegal, they're still going to have to pay that. Uh, you could, you could forgive them, but they still have to pay a particular debt to society or those sorts of things. You know, somebody steals from you and uh, there is a, there are legal ramifications to that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Can I, I should make it really clear. This is something I want to make. Um, and maybe this doesn't help this discussion at all. But uh, the passage that we dealt with in Matthew 18 is particularly interested, okay, with um, the relationships between uh, professing believers. Mm. So it, he, Matthew is really concerned about um, showing what you should do when a brother or sister has sinned against you, and then also that they, that they are seeking forgiveness. Even the story that Jesus tells is about a man who seeks forgiveness from the king, but he's unwilling to pass that forgiveness on to somebody else who's seeking it from him. Hmm. So, look, I'm not suggesting that the Bible doesn't have anything to say about somebody, about forgiving somebody who's not seeking forgiveness, that's a diff- but that's a different subject. Because I, I got some responses from some people saying, okay, but what do I do... Uh, you know, I understand this call to forgiveness in the, in the scriptures, but what do I do if the person is, is, you, you know, not repentant or not troubled at all by, by their, their actions? They're not seeking the forgiveness of a debt or something like that, or they're not a brother and sister in Christ. So those are two questions. The first, the, the, the second one, the question about, okay, what if they're not a brother and sister in Christ? My answer is usually, well, um, I think that there's a chance, uh, that it's a, th- this passage is applicable beyond just the family of Christ. If somebody else comes and wants to seek forgiveness from you, mm-hmm. I think that I, I would stand on decent ground to say, well, I think that it, you know you should do good to all men, mm-hmm. but especially to those who are who are of the of the faith, right? So mm-hmm. I think that you should pass along the same kinds of things to all men that you would to those who are within the the body of Christ. But on we this should count. We should tease that out though, because I find a lot of people don't understand what forgiveness means. I think a lot of people believe that that means you need to mend that relationship somehow, or fix it, or bring it back, right. or restore it. Well, this is, I think, what Greg's trying to, or the question that Greg's brought up is, when, when somebody has an issue against, or, or like somebody sins against you, or does something, and you are being, they're coming to you now pleading for forgiveness, what the scriptures are saying in that case is unmistakably clear. You are obligated, because of what Christ has done for you and the colossal amount that he's forgiven you, mm. to pay that forward. So that's going to be a sign, uh, I dare even say a condition, uh, or, or an evidence anyway, that you are saved, that you are, you've actually really received the, the forgiveness that Christ has offered. Right. But, but I don't, again, I don't think that that means that the consequences of that action go away. So if it's illegal, like I said, uh, I think there are consequences with the law. I or let's think, take a spouse that cheats on another spouse. Yeah, well, hold, that's the obvious one that I want to point, point okay. to. But let's, let's say, for example, somebody steals, uh, it, it has a pattern of habitual mm. thievery mm. Uh, m- of money. 
Well, there are some some consequences in terms of you know their position in a church, for example. Like you're not you, that person is not going to be put in charge of the treasure. He's not going to be the treasurer of the church, right? Because there are times I've come across people who will be like, "Well, forgiveness requires you to forget completely that I I, I have a background in this particular sin against people, and give me all the opportunities." To sin in that way again. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, I'll add one more. I, I don't think it's the case that if a man is abusive to his wife, there are legal ramifications to that, mm-hmm. right? So if he he is physically abusive to, to his wife, he, he needs to be reported to the police. And secondly, she needs to be out of that situation mm-hmm. immediately for her protection. Mm-hmm. So those are ramifications. Can she forgive him? Yes. But what does the ensuing state of affairs look like after that forgiveness? I don't know if it looks like, hey, we're just going to get back together and there's no, right. there's nothing. You, you, yeah. you, the forgiveness has taken place. A restoration of the relationship has taken place. But I think it behooves us, if we're wise, to put some barriers or guards in place to make sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen again. Hmm. Right. Well, here's one that I've personally been dealing with, and I know a number of other people have dealt with it, is, uh, as you guys know, my dad left my family when I was five years old. My parents separated mm. and really have had no contact with my dad, very little contact. Maybe mm-hmm. seen him a handful of times in my life. But as of late, a couple of years ago, he contacted me, and now all of a sudden wants a relationship with me mm, like yeah. nothing had ever happened. Yeah. And you know, in the Christian, you know, in you, the Christ in you, you know, Jesus' work in you wants you to, you know, you want to forgive. Yeah. But at the same time, there are ramifications to your actions. Yeah. And so there, so I, I'm constantly struggling, going, okay. I don't even know this individual. What what do I owe this individual? You know, what does it what does it look like to actually forgive this person? Uh, and to what level of a relationship am I obligated to have? Not obligated to have? How how does you know as a Christian how do I navigate this? Don't you think that forgiveness? You know that forgiveness has taken place if after the after doing it, you can honestly say I am seeking the other's good. To, do you understand? I'm praying for the blessing of God upon them. Does or is that? I mean, I'm I'm just shooting from the hip a little bit there, but I, I tend to think that might be one of the evidences that forgiveness has actually taken place mm. in in your life. Is that you've said, right? I'm not in a position anymore that I wish them ill. I wish them ill. Mm. I, I actually am wanting good for them. Mm. Yeah, I, one of the ways that I try to unpack it at Sinai gathering this weekend was um, removing the resentfulness from the wrongdoing. And by that, what I meant was that that visceral reaction, not just of our disappointment that it happened, but our desire to see that person suffer for that, yeah. the actions that they've done. Mm. So when we remove the resentfulness from the wrongdoing, we're not forgetting that wrong was done, but but we're not wanting revenge or, or payback on the person right. for them to be negatively affected ongoingly because of what took place. Right. And with the hope that a relationship would be restored, if if that's possible, right. based on how the consequences. But again, there are pay, consequences play out. sometimes to those actions. Yeah, right? that doesn't so, mean uh, ignoring the law, like you said. You already said that. Yeah, I, mean, I just, really want to emphasize that. Yeah, though. sometimes totally. people who people hear stuff on forgiveness and immediately their mind goes to things like, uh, "What about what about the abuser?" <clears throat> well, does forgiveness of the abuser mean that you just kind of pass over that? The answer is no, absolutely mm-hmm. not. The man, the man who who sins against his wife by abusing her physically mm-hmm. ends up he, he he has to he has to pay for that 
I mean, he needs to receive help and pay for that, and she needs to be safe, and there are massive ramifications to that mm-hmm. action, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That are bigger ramifications, quite honestly, than uh, if he uh, uh, hurts his relationship with his wife by a myriad of other things, right? Yeah. Uh, not telling her the truth about where he went to whatever. But even that has mm-hmm. ramifications to it as well. I mean, I, I, would, I would advise her to, to be careful. It's going to have some relational ramifications, but she's not she's not holding a grudge if she's like I don't know if you're telling me the truth all the time now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. But right. She, that's not holding a grudge. She doesn't need to forget about everything that's taken place. And forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to restore 100% of your trust. Like, like right. if, if you right. if somebody if if somebody does something against you or against somebody else that makes you question their character if you forgive them, that doesn't mean that you have to immediately go back to like, oh, their character is perfect, like, or or that you are, uh, or, yeah, or trusting them again when they've broken your trust. Right. Trust is something that is earned. I mean, we hear that, and that's very true. And and that's something that people, if they've sinned against you, they they do have to get that trust back, and that's going to take a while. Which could actually be in their benefit as well, because uh, in some ways, if you if you didn't put up those boundaries, you could put go back to the situation before in which you would be or could be abused. Jeff, though, what would you say if somebody asked, do, should, should our forgiveness look like God's, the way God forgives us, or is there a qualitative difference between the two? Well, I mean, y- y- yes. Uh, yes, our forgiveness should look, look like God's to some degree, but when you say qualitative difference, uh, you know, like... He, as far as the east is from the west, that's the language. So far, of your sins been cast right. away yeah. from the God. So, no, I don't think that that's that's what it is that that we are that we are due. I think there's a level of discernment, and again, I think there are ramifications to people's actions in their relationships. And as a result, uh, I think it's possible to forgive a person. And my again, my sign, just to summarize, my my, my sign of for, that they've forgiven them is that they don't ish, wish them any ill at that point, and maybe. I would take it one step further than even that, that they're not just neutral regarding that person, but actually wish them well mm. and wish them good mm-hmm. and pray for their good, that sort of thing. And I think that there's that, a, a holding of a hopefulness right. that hope maybe full restoration could take place. Right, but I think that that's a, that, I think we're into the area now of, of being careful. Because totally. here's, here's my experience um, I have dealt with lots of people who have sinned against another person repeatedly, have received forgiveness from that other person or that other group repeatedly. Mm. But that other group has hesitations regarding them in terms of putting them in leadership or that, that, other, that relationship and it, going back into those same circumstances. They have hesitations. It doesn't mean that they're not willing. They just want to see a track record over time mm. established so that this isn't the kind of thing that keeps happening. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then the person who has... Who has Receive the forgiveness, right? It's sinned against repeatedly, and receive the forgiveness because they've sought it. Gets irritated because they say you're not forgiving me, and my response is no. That's not true. They are. For- they have forgiven you. They're being careful regarding what it is that going forward, recognizing that you are a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. And somebody again, somebody who is nobody would make this argument for somebody who was who had who had. Uh, done something like pedophilia, 
Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So we're not going to put them in charge of the children's ministry, but they could raise their flag and say, how dare you do that? Because, you know, don't you, as far as East is from the West? N- no. That's, it's just unwise yeah. in that regard in terms of our relationships and, and, yeah. and, and things. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven the person. And that's part of just human limitations, isn't it? I, I, can't, totally. I can't see the human heart, but God can. Right. Yeah. Right. I think, well, yes, absolutely. I, I think that there's a healthy dose of, uh, of appreciation for human depravity that we need to have mm-hmm. yeah. in, these, in, these, in these areas and recognize that some of us have besetting sins, and so yeah, they need our help, uh-huh. right? If you, if, you have a, if you struggle with uh, you know, fina- financial sins or whatever it is, you know, like you, you have thievery of money and things mm. like that, it's actually the church is doing you a favor by not putting you in a situation where that's actually going to arise right. and that great damage can be done. And maybe you're going to be good at good with it over time, but you should recognize, yeah, I totally see that this is a besetting sin of mine, and I struggle in those circumstances, right? Yeah. So, so I want to, I want help from the church and from my other friends to put me in situations where I'm not going to be tempted toward that end. Mm-hmm. But that usually is not the way it goes. You find people who have sinned against others demanding their their rights of forgiveness. You need to forgive me, and they get they then get to define what that forgiveness looks mm-hmm. like completely. Yeah. Right. Or the flip side, which is what Jesus is after, people who are supposed to forgive flat out won't. They just won't because they 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 want to hold on to the grudge. Partially because they want to, ha- they feel feel by holding on to the grudge, they have some kind of control over the injustice. I can't help but feel how many issues in churches that I've worked at and seen that have exploded over people just their unwillingness to forgive. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're in the care department. When I counsel couples, they're so often like I'm not talking issues of abuse or anything like that. I'm talking about issues just of where these couples are fighting and they're on the verge of divorce. And, it, and you look, you hear their story, and it's like, okay, if you guys would have just had like forgiving hearts a few years ago, right? You wouldn't be in this mess. Like if you had the heart actually to to confess to each other and to forgive each other, uh, things could have gone a lot better here. Yeah, it's and there's true. it's a two way thing there too. Yeah, I mean, it's the totally. willingness to seek the forgiveness yep. as well. I mean, that's not the emphasis on, on this on the text that we preached, but it certainly mm-hmm. seems to be one that I think we need to bring to this. That mm-hmm. a lot of people who've wronged other people are so proud, yeah, that they end up justifying their actions, saying, "Well, I didn't do anything wrong," yeah, when actually you did. And you know you did, mm-hmm. but out of pride, you're saying I don't want to. I don't want to say that because it might cost me something, or it might whatever mm-hmm. relationally or financially or whatever. Mm-hmm. When the truth is, the first step to when the first step to reconciliation is going to be you going towards someone and actually yep. doing the getting down on your knees and saying, "Forgive me, mm. forgive me of of the relational debt that I have I have caused you." And then the second part is the person offering that forgiveness, fr- free and, free and clear in that regard. And but you're again, we're you're going to have to live with with the relational mm. challenges that come with that mm. for the next period of time. Mm. And uh, I don't think I don't think that that's a lack of forgiveness when you have to live with those consequences. Does that answer kind of the question? Yeah. Well, my my go at answer the question. Oh, so. uh, just to give a little bit of uh, flesh to that. So with my dad. I've forgiven my dad, forgave him a long time ago. Yeah. But I don't pretend as though we can have some sort of relationship as though he hasn't been absent for the last 20 right. years it's of my gonna life. It's going to take a long time. Yeah. No, I mean... Yeah. And to be He's realistic not, about this. It's not going to be a father-son relationship, yeah. like ever. 
Exactly. Right. Like, well, maybe at least a, not the kind of father-son relationship that somebody would have if they're if, if they were a child right. with their dad. Yes. Because yep. yeah. that whole childhood was gone. So right. it's an adult father-son relationship, whatever that looks like. But at the same time, it's not that I'm going to be holding a grudge and make him pay yeah, right. for what he's done by being no. a jerk back, right? right? No, I'm not going to do that. Shunning him from your life when he sought forgiveness from you. That mm-hmm. that That's the grudge. Yep. But saying, right. no, no, I welcome you into my life with with some caveats, with some, some like, hey, we're going to obviously have to get to know each other from here on. And there's a lot, there is a lot of water under the bridge here, but mm. I, I want you to know that I'm willing to seek your, seek your good. Mm. Sweet. Uh, one more right. question. I'm sure people will email back. I'm, we're, I, just so you know, we're, I think we're happy to receive critique yeah. sure. on that. Yeah. This is four guys who are sitting around trying to work some of those things through. Um, I, I'm sure that there will be some on one side who will say, no, you're not forgiving if you do this. So if that's your, if that's your view, you know, write us. And, yeah, and we can talk about give this. A, give, give some, some critique and some substance mm-hmm. to the critique. Please don't just say, I don't agree. Right. Like if you don't, then then send us a reason why it is that that's the case, and maybe on the other side, uh, you, you believe that you know there's some part of it that we want that you you want to uh, correct. Yeah, sure, it's great. Uh, this next question is actually more of a, I'm going to ask the question because someone sent it in, and then we're going to answer it by referring them to another resource. But I want to have this listener find that resource out. So the question was, how do I honor my mother, my adult mother? This person is an adult. When she's mentally ill and her reasoning and words from God are unfounded and ludicrous, mm. so this whole dynamic of how how do we honor our kind of like what Andy brought up how how do we honor our parents when mm. we're grown, but still want to hold to to the idea of honoring our parents? And so that question's been on our list for a while, and I raise it because I want to point our listeners to another great resource that is available to them. It's called the Bonus Podcast. Mm. Uh, pastors Crystal and Thalia uh, do that on a regular basis, and they bring in all kinds of guests to talk about different topics. This was something that Thalia actually went into quite a bit of detail uh, talking about. And so mm. her experience with the care department and, yeah. and counseling background has given her a lot of great insight on how to help people apply this. So if you are interested in finding out more about how to honor your adult parents as an adult, uh, go to the bonus podcast on northview.org under media and under podcasts. Go to the bonus podcast, and there's one called Honoring Your Parents. I think you can get there directly by going to northview.org backslash honoring your parents. Can I add just a quick piece to that? I'm, I, the For question sure. itself is really interesting. It's something I want to clarify. You know, all of us live in authority submission relationships. We do it at, at work, we do it in our families, right? If your children and your parents, whatever, and there's a debate around whether there's authority and submission in a marriage, but even leaving, we can leave that aside. Let's just assume that there's, there's all sorts of different authority submission relationships that we have. And so we, we are told in scripture that to submit to the authorities, the proper authorities that are over you is actually a righteous act. It's a good, it's a good thing, which is of course, very countercultural that viewpoint, but it is a good thing. Even, oh, go ahead. You, well, you don't, I, I my, 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 my thing that I want to point out, though, is that you are never required to submit to an authority who is asking you to sin. You, you, are, you are never required. And so I, I, can, I mean, right. I have all sorts of biblical evidence for this. Uh, the Hebrew midwives and, who, and their response to, uh, and their response to mm. the pharaohs demand that they kill all the Hebrew babies. In Exodus. Babies. Mm-hmm. They, they don't do it, and they are commended for their faithfulness in this act. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a civil disobedience where they're not obeying the authorities 
righteous authorities, you know, not righteous, but the, the authorities that are sitting rightly above them, they don't do it. Um, I, I would even think that in some ways Rahab's actions fit fit this grid. Um, so I, there are there are lots of examples I think in Scripture that show that if somebody is asking you to sin, a government is asking you to sin, a uh, a, a uh, your spouse is asking you to sin, your parents are asking you to sin, right? You don't need to obey them. You obey God mm-hmm. uh, before them, right? So the Sanhedrin comes to Peter and says, "says Listen, you guys need to stop preaching about this Jesus." And they had they had religious authority of these men at this time, right? Yeah, and and political probably authority. And they said, "You need to stop preaching about Jesus." And Peter says, "Listen, which is better for us to obey you or God?" Because for him, it was one, it was an either or. I can't obey you and obey God. I would like to obey you and obey God. That's my heart's cry. But the truth is, I can't do it. So I'm going to obey God, and I'm going to pray that you see you see God's way on this. Mm-hmm. I actually think that this is the approach we ought to have in all those relationships. So you're not obligated. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Thanks so much, guys, for uh, giving your time once again to the extra podcast. And if you have questions for us or you want to provide some feedback on something you heard in a sermon or something you heard in one of our episodes, you can email us at extra at northview.org. Until then, we will see you at church.